made, a, I made a comment about the chosen on on social media, and the predictable people came out and gave me oh, heat about that. Oh yeah, so stupid. Yeah, we gotta use some of those buttons. What else do you got? What is that? Crickets. Richard, that we have creativity too. We are creative. We got eight buttons here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, our button. All right, it's time to push the button. And we got to land this plane in about forty minutes. That's perfect. We got it. That's perfect. Cool. Here we go. cross-cultural congregations in Washington, D.C., wrestle with a question each week concerning how the church can be a foretaste of the Feast of God. I'm Duke Kwan, one of the hosts of this podcast, and I'm joined in the studio by Pastor Glenn Hoberg and Pastor Russ Whitfield. Man, Russ has got a new yeah, show. Yeah, How you doing? Pushing them buttons. Yeah, we got, yeah. Little, we got some buttons on this. Yeah. Right, you got the toys out. You know? Listen. I got the gimmicks. Yeah. So, anyway, we just like It's going to be that kind of episode. It's going to be one of them. I'm going to start using those in my sermons, man. Especially this one. I think you can this one, right? Oh, yeah. I use that one a lot. Anyway. So where are we? Oh yeah. How are you guys doing? <laughs> well, I'm doing better now that we got those little things. It makes I me know laugh. that. No, I mean, lighten, lighten the mood. Yeah, we're rocking and rolling through uh, our fall kickoff. I mean, it's usually Labor Day is like you know oh, yeah. crickets, you know, and it was a packed house, and mm. I'm just like, man, I don't. It, it looks like it's projecting to a lot of ministry you know flourishing and activity this this fall and so that's encouraging and, yeah but it's encouraging you know we we're grinding mm. and so busy yeah full that's good 100 percent. yeah i'm trying i'm trying to get a sermon series together yeah 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 what are you working on what are you going to well, something from the bible this time yeah <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> Duke has lots of experience preaching from the Quran, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I thought, man, I thought I'd try the scripture, you know, you know, anyway, no, yeah, but I, I, I'm going to do a, uh, you know, a big part of our thing. We'll talk about it sometime. I hope yeah. is mm. theology of place, Yes, but, uh, on placemaking. Okay. Really? Placemaking. Wow. Okay. You know, because that sounds uh, really interesting. We're celebrating our 20th year. Hmm. And what does it mean to renew our vision of this place, mm. city, DC? So That's good. But hmm. you know, man, I, th- this is getting in house for those that are preachers, right? But mm. to me, it's so much easier to just say, I'm going to, I'm going to preach through a book. Because you don't have mm. to be, I'm not mm. a great topical thinker. Right. You know, it's just right. like, well, this one's going to be on this, and then I'm going to find this passage, mm. and 
I would just, you know, rather go straight through Mac, straight through Maccabees. (laughs) (laughs) Emily Dickinson. I know. (laughs) That is hilarious, man. That was a Protestant joke. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. See, see, you just. Glenn don't believe in the Catholicity of the church. That's <laughs> hey, man, I was born, I was, I was christened Catholic. Yeah, I, was yeah. Christian. I can still get back in if I want to. You yeah, got yeah. to convert. You can play that card. He's been waiting for that day to play that card. <laughs> I know he To has. his advantage, right? That's so funny. All right, all right. Older Speaking boy. of Catholicity. Okay, Catholicity okay, okay. Look at the transition. All right, here I we go. You. Got a question. Yeah. And it relates to our shared commitment to cross-cultural ministry. Of course, uh-huh. different people use different terms, multicultural uh-huh. ministry, uh-huh. vision for the church being a place that's gathering people from every tribe, tongue, and nation by the grace of God around mm-hmm. Jesus mm-hmm. and all the challenges that that entails. Mm. But I want to ask, do you think that it's true mm. or do you just think that there's evidence in part or in whole that a cross-cultural commitment for a local church on the whole spells slower numerical growth for a local church. So I'm saying numerical because yeah. it's we're just talking about size and there's all kinds of ways in which we're committed to other things in terms of church health and maturity and so mm-hmm. on and missionality, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me, let, me, let, me, let me put a little bit more context to it. I think we are committed to uh, cross-cultural community and Mm -hmm. and building our congregations in in that sort of way. And you almost want to believe or you're tempted Mm. to believe Mm. that anything that's a good commitment or a truly biblical priority will (laughs) actually spell numerical growth, at least on some level. And Mm. yet, oftentimes, I have found that we, and we can unpack this further, but sometimes um, committing yourself to cross-cultural things actually in some places and in some corners of a community can cause people to step away, can cause your congregation to not grow or even to shrink. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can ta- point to ways in which it's harder to gather people or at least they're, they're, they don't gather as naturally or as easily. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So let me let me throw that out to you guys. What mm. do you think of that idea um, and what has your experience been around this question? I will say, especially in a majority white denomination, mm-hmm. uh, that we're all in mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. I definitely think I've, I've always felt there were two decisions we made that limited our size. Mm-hmm. One is our theology of place, our commitment mm-hmm. to place. The other is our commitment to cross-cultural ministry. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've had plenty of conversations that they may have been about other issues when people were leaving. Mm. <laughs> they may have been around other issues, but ultimately I think what really what it was about was cross-cultural mm-hmm. vision. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'll just say in my experience, it does. Yeah. It does. What do you think, Russ? Uh, when I look at the data points of Grace Mosaic, it almost tracks exactly as double the time of a typical homogeneous church. Mm-hmm. Like, you That's know, good. in terms of like... You mean the, the labor and putting in putting I mean, in ministry time? Number of oh, people. Oh, time, time to grow. Okay. I mean, yeah, size yeah. of budget. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, um, you know so those dynamics primarily, those two metrics. And I, I do think that the cross-cultural uh, pursuit, it, it necessarily locks you in to smaller 
results on the other end here. And, and I think, I think based upon what I've observed at Grace Mosaic, there are people who wind up at your church who are completely green to cross-cultural, right? And they are brought in and they're thinking about it and they might be like, ah, I'm not feeling that. That's, that's pretty demanding. And, you know, if we're being real, most people in our culture today are formed to be consumers more than they're formed to be contributors in the local church. Mm -hmm. uh, but even those who are like on board with cross-cultural in their heads, right? what they think cross-cultural is often is not aligned with reality. So some people think that when you come into, in my experience, we've had people come in who think that cross-cultural is basically the same as plantation diversity, mm. which mm. is like, you know, the, you know, you had different color people, you might call it fruit loop diversity, <laughs> you know, cause fruit loops, even though they're different colors, they all, they all taste the same. They all sweet. And so it's just this assimilation, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there's this assimilation kind of idea rather than like cross-cultural community is gumbo where mm. every piece is its own thing, but they all are elevated when they are put together and blended together in, in that kind of way, you know, over time. And so I, what I often have found in my experience is that even people who style themselves advocates yeah. of cross-cultural don't realize the extent to which that demands you go in speaking to issues that they would say, well, why are you getting political? It's like, no, what? Like, mm -hmm, yeah. I think this is an issue of justice. Right. If you're thinking about our brothers and sister over here who are in our congregation who are telling you, I'm in pain, I'm hurt. Mm. And it's so like, uh, there's often, um, I'm on board with cross-cultural so long as you play by my definition of cross-cultural. Mm. And so the work of trying to expand people's uh, perception of what that is, their understanding of what intercultural competence entails. And then you got people who are people of color who come into your mix and they assume that because they are people of color, they actually understand intercultural competence mm -hmm. and they, they don't. Mm -hmm. And so like there are times where you'll have a white brother or sister who is more interculturally competent than a person of color. Mm. And the person of color doesn't actually know how to handle that. And so it's kind of like you you shouldn't be able to, you know, think through this more deep. You don't know this more than me. I've had mm. to live it. And at some level, it's like there is a layer at which people of color yeah. live this from sure. day one. Right. But there's another layer at which intercultural competence is actually a skill, skill to, to acquire. Learn. You got to learn. You got to yeah, learn it. Right. right? Know how to do so it. I, I, I have found those things. They because of the, the kinds of conflicts and the kinds of conversations that we have to have, we actually have to slow down a bit more mm. to make sure that we are not skating past conversations that need to happen. So I could keep going and going and going from no, my own good. experience, but I I think, yes, when you sign up to do cross-cultural, you have to adjust your expectations down in terms of size and speed. Right. Speed. Slower, right? Yeah. What's funny to me, and I, I mentioned this a second ago, it's almost counterintuitive, right? Because there's a sense in which all things multicultural are popular and attractive to a certain segment of society right now. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And probably true of a lot of people that we see here in a city like Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. right? So you would almost think, hey, you just wave that banner, mm -hmm. you know, get it flying high, mm -hmm. and people are going to flock to that because isn't that what they want? And I want to say there is some level in which that is true. I mean, we do see that, you know, plenty of people that come to 
our congregation, Grace Meridian Hill, they do say one of the reasons why I'm here is because I heard about your cross-cultural commitment or because I came and I saw the diversity and mm -hmm. that's exactly what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. Whereas we've talked with people that generally landed in the top two or three mm -hmm. reasons why people wanted to commit to being a part of our church in the first place, right? right. So it, it is attractional on some level and it mm -hmm. does spell some numerical growth on some levels. I want to make sure that that balance or, you know, that, that other side of it really is in place. But what I'm hearing you is pace. Yeah. Speed of growth. Right. So it's uh, like, yeah. you know, even if you attract some people that it still is a, a, a bit more of a complex process than you otherwise might think. I would actually, uh, <clears throat> offer a bit of a counter narrative yeah. to what you just said. Yeah. I find that yes, our city cares about diversity, but if you don't agree with their definition of what that diversity must entail, right. Then it's like it, it actually puts you in an even worse spot relative to, you know, numbers and and all of that kind of growth, because they come out saying, oh, this, they, it was a bait and switch because mm. they aren't with us on the sexual ethic or they aren't with us on other details of, in terms of how the church and how the scriptures outline like what I would call doxological diversity, a diversity that not only stems from a longing to glorify the Lord, but a diversity that actually does glorify him. There's a difference between that and then the world's brand of diversity, which is just, a, it's another shade of relativism, which is anything goes. And if you don't accept the anything goes model and everyone is fine, just like they are, like, you know, there's no real willingness to have conversations around difficult moral and ethical questions. And like, how do you ground all that? I find that it actually becomes more difficult because then you start getting that like pushback on that level. Right. And you got to sort through it, have those conversations, right? Yes. Redefine even words like diversity mm -hmm. that you thought you had common ground on, right. but actually people have a completely different vision mm -hmm. of what that is and actually how it's connected to these maybe other issues as well. Right. Yeah. And I think on pace as well, mm. you know, it's, it even takes longer mm. when you're white because you don't know what you're building. I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like, you know, uh, you ever built Ikea stuff? You know, I quit they, doing that yeah, 10 yeah. years ago. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, they, they, I know they're all laughing at us, but you know, there's no words. <laughs> you're just kind of playing the right. photos. You know, you're just sort of like going, okay, I'm trying to learn how to do this. I'm looking at you all and, um, you don't know what you know. And then also just, you always live with this feeling like, you know, are my people of color just going, man, mm. just, I wish, you know, their longing, mm -hmm. their longings aren't fulfilled. Mm. And that's, you know, just getting mm. more personal Yeah, of just going, you know, how do you, how do you do this? And how do you do it in a way that where you acknowledge where you are mm -hmm. in your mm -hmm. limits, mm -hmm. but people also feel like, this person cares deeply about my experience. Mm. They care deeply about my culture. They care mm. deeply. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that like they feel really well pastored by you. I mean, that's the end goal, right? Like you want them to feel very well loved and pastored and you want them to feel like yeah. belongers in the community. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. because at our network, this is one of the differences, right? Mm. I mean, both of you, brothers of color, pastors of color, mm -hmm. I'm white. Mm -hmm. And so, Grace Downtown always has a different dynamic. 
mm-hmm. to play there. Mm-hmm. And I and it's I think it's just good to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm, Glenn, over the years, you've moved from white to beige. You know, oh, you're, man, you're, you're you're getting closer <laughs> to us, baby. <laughs> 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 I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. I cut you off to make no, a joke. No, 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 I'm glad. Well, you know, getting back to an analogy we used some years ago that mm. that really helped. I forget how we came up with it, but it really, I've used it with our folks. Mm. It's sort of like, uh, what does it mean to have a truly cross-cultural welcoming community? Mm. So it's like uh, you've got three people and they need a new roommate. And uh, mm-hmm. you answer the ad for the, the roommate, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you show up and you've got your like food, you've mm-hmm. got your uh, music, you've got your artwork, you've got this and you show up and they go, oh, oh, no, y- you won't need any of that. We, we, <laughs> we got my stuff. We got food yeah. and we got, you know, I, we got artwork, we got all this basically saying you can, you know, you can live here, mm. but you, this isn't your home. Right, you know, you right, can. Right. And I feel like. That's constantly a rub, especially mm. with a white majority mm. culture churches saying, listen, mm. you know, we're not saying, hey, mm. you know, welcoming you can. What, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you can be, you know, a temporary. You're like a guest. You're like you a can, yeah, resident you. alien. That's right. You can be a guest here. You're <laughs> mm-hmm. a guest here. Mm-hmm. But instead of this is your house. Mm. That's good. Move things around the Go. way you want. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's when you get into like especially with the worship service, mm. like what can be moved around? Yeah. I, mean, I think part of what you're getting at is this idea of belonging and what it takes to cultivate a sense of belonging for people. Right. I mean, cause that, that's part of what takes time, mm. right. When you're trying to connect with people from such a range of different backgrounds all yeah. at the same time. Right. Right. <clears throat> right. So, homogeneous unit principle, right. What the previous generation, McGavern, missi- yeah, McGavern, missiologist, who basically said the best way to grow churches fast, of course, presuming that's even the goal in the first place, right. is by uh, creating churches that are homogenous around a certain sort of demographic or sociological unit, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, it's it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you're just multiplying sameness again and again. And why? Well, it's not a bad thing in itself that people feel that they belong, they feel connected yeah. to, they feel yeah. loved, they feel it, everything is familiar and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. they move along that sort of, let's call it the assimilation pathway mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. quicker, right? They're right. just getting into the life of the church and the community on a more rapid pace. But when you're moving in all kinds of directions and you mm-hmm. got people from all kinds of backgrounds, every little decision is making somebody feel they belong a little bit more mm-hmm. and making someone else feel like, wait, do I? belong right um (laughs) so how how exactly so where i have faced this for example to get a little bit more concrete is whether if it's in choosing a sermon illustration Mm -hmm. right and we want to be deliberate about these kinds of things right so if Mm -hmm. you want to pick a song lyric or something Mm I know a joke is coming here soon, right? I'm you just holding a- my face. <laughs> I am restraining you myself. A, you pick a song lyric, you pick a show, you pick up whatever. I mean, obviously, as a preacher, you're true to yourself, mm. right? Whatever you're actually watching, you're not mm-hmm. making it up. But you're also very conscious of if I cite this artist or if I cite this song, it's going to be connecting with some people better than others. Mm-hmm. So you're always making a choice as to who you're going to connect more with mm-hmm. and who you might feel left out a little bit more. Or mm-hmm. if you're trying to make strides with evangelism, I feel this a lot in terms of trying to preach in a way as we're all committed to in a way that makes 
the core truth that you're trying to convey comprehensible to people that are newcomers to the Christian faith, right? Right. right? So we're committed to that in our sort of evangelistic preaching, as it were, mm-hmm. but even having in mind who who is the audience that I have in mind? Mm-hmm. You know, is it a kid from my neighborhood? Is it a professional that works downtown? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, so are they, are they, familiar with the Christian faith? Do you have, do they have a cultural memory of the black church, even Mm -hmm. if they don't themselves attend a church, right? But they have a grandma that was speaking into their life. And so you Mm -hmm. can speak in a certain way or a person that's highly skeptical, doesn't want any emotional sort of expressiveness or Mm -hmm. any kind of spirituality that smells like something quote unquote evangelical or Uh whatever. uh Right. And that kind of person. So you got to downplay emotion. Now one, one, one culture, one community evangelism is emotion, Mm -hmm. right. For another uh, non-emotional expression is what's going to be more attractive and less threatening. Mm -hmm. So every time, even in the way we're trying to connect with outsiders to the church, we're having to make these cross-cultural decisions Mm. that's going to be more advantageous to some people connecting and less so for others. And so that's, you're making choices and then you're trying to bring in and connect with a wide range of people, especially in a city like DC, because we see different kinds of people all the time. Uh, it, that's just back to the point. It takes time mm-hmm. then to foster that. You can't just focus on one group and run hard right. and build a thick sort of cultural strategy around one kind of person mm-hmm. or one kind of profile of person that you're learning to love. Mm-hmm. You're having to learn to love a whole wide range of people. That's right. But yeah. I'm, I'm curious as to, like, is there a particular angle that you're coming from? Like, what made this question come up for you? Well, I mean, some of it is because this fall, our congregation is actually focusing on this specific theme among a couple different commitments um, that we have in our church. Mm. So we're rotating every year with a different theme. This Mm. year's theme is cross-cultural community. So that's one reason just thinking about different dimensions of it. Mm. Um, But I think in the course of reflecting on that, just thinking about, wait, you know, you sit there, either you're humbled or you're just reflecting on, wait, how have we grown? Mm. And the true journey for us in the last 10 plus years that we've been a a, a congregation um, at Grace Meridian Hill is it's been up and down as mm. far as what the mix of folks have looked like and, right. and kind of um, and how we've grown as a church overall. Right. Mm-hmm. So not just cross culturally, but as a church. And I've just noticed just again, it's like hard work. Right. Yeah. You apply yourself to it. It takes time and energy. Mm. And in even on the level of opportunity cost, you're you're straining hard to grow cross culturally. It just means you're not able to do other things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or apply yourself as a leader, as a minister, in other ways as well. And so I've just noticed um, it's so energy expensive. It is a joy, mm-hmm. right? And it is to the glory of God. It's what we're committed to doing. But it's so energy expensive that mm-hmm. I've just kind of thought on the level of like outcomes and fruitfulness, like mm-hmm. where exactly does this go and exactly what are we looking for mm-hmm. as we labor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is so on. You're really, you're, you're really putting words to what I feel in um, sort of the learning curve, but also the demands, any aspect of ministry, anything mm-hmm. that happens in the culture, mm-hmm. any, there's, you know, different, cultural experiences of it and mm-hmm. how do i enter into all that i will say that i feel like so many i feel like um the brothers and sisters of color in our congregation have been so gracious with me mm-hmm. 
you know, and so appreciative mm. <laughs> of any like effort I make. Mm. Um, I was go- going back to the growth thing because we were all together when the first church downtown was probably the biggest it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. 600 people, whatever. Right. It was also zero diversity. Nah, right? well, not zero. There was, not a, true. Okay. there was some. There was some diversity. There was. But I will say. I noticed because I was coming from Dallas. Yeah. So it might not have stuck out to y'all. Yeah. I was like, yo, they actually got diversity here. And I think you just got to give yourself some grace Well, that just grace blew, that blew my point because I was supposed to say, <laughs> I was going to say, you know, there ain't 600 people now, but we're, I, we're more committed to the cross-cultural vision. You are. Than we were before. Yes. Things, but the, what you talked about, Duke, with the homogeneous principle, you know, it was almost like effortless. We were growing mm. just by, mm. because it was very natural. People could show up and go, Oh, this feels like what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Oh, and those songs, that's what we sang in campus ministry mm-hmm. or whatever. And mm-hmm. as you begin to tinker and change, and and I think it really gets into issues. We talk about this some other time. Different mm. question just about justice. Mm. You know, What do we do with this, right? I mean, if it's true that cross-cultural ministry is perhaps slower than one might expect, mm-hmm. right? How does that change the way that we relate to it? What we do with it, right? I mean, like, is, mm. is there something that we can come away with here um, in just noticing the, the, the way that that impacts how we lead it, mm-hmm. what our expectations are, and so forth? Yeah. Um, I, I think that the, though it may be numerically inferior to the homogeneous unit principles, you know, yeah. findings, I think that cross-cultural community is truth-dense. It's nutrient-dense for the believer because when you live in cross-cultural community, you actually have an opportunity to gain a hold of the manifold excellencies of Christ in ways that you would not because your theology is a product of the kind of questions that you ask. And if you only ask the questions that have been given to you from one cultural group, you don't really get a chance to see how the gospel addresses like how Christ plays on 10,000 stages as mean Gene Peterson puts it, you know? So like, you know, there are all those kinds of things, but also like you can't grow in love, like in isolation, right? We've always made that point. Like the kind of love that the, the scriptures call us to, that the Lord calls us to through the scriptures you can't live into the fullness of it by yourself. Mm-hmm. It has to be with community. And I think that, that that idea goes further. As you have to love different people in different ways from different places with different struggles, with different strengths, as your life rubs up against all of that difference, I think it calls out of you a greater kind of love, a greater kind of curiosity. Mm-hmm. And I do think that there is some unique way in which we corporately bear and reflect the Lord's image in our place as a cross-cultural community in ways that are obscured in a homogeneous community. So I think when you begin to keep, when, when you keep those things in mind and you, you can stay at that 30,000 foot view every once in a while and be like, yo, this is serious pain at some level, but serious gain here for doing this work mm-hmm. and making the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would add too, if people are open to expanding their taste buds, mm. you know, you get to a point where like, I can either have a giant bowl of pasta with nothing on it, mm-hmm. or I can have this tapas that's mm-hmm. filled with all these flavors. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, you know, you're sort of like, once you taste that, mm-hmm. um, or once you see the beauty of it, 
Mm. You you can't go back. You Mm. can't unsee it. You can't untaste it. Mm. And I've always felt Mm. I would much rather be in this place for Mm. all the ways that I feel like I come up short. Mm -hmm. I'm learning. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm doing Mm -hmm. or the struggles of it. Mm -hmm. It's just too rich. And also, ultimately, I know that's where the feast is headed mm-hmm. right that's mm-hmm. that's where we're gonna be that's a good that's a good way to pull that thing right that's good <laughs> yeah well, it is it's what we're building until we feast you know right. so i mean so takeaways what about what What are y'all taking away well i feel like it, it just to even talk about it mm. and name i know i brought the question but yeah. like just even for us to name it i think helps with what can be at times a frustrating experience mm. right it can be sort of like wait, it feels like this is slower. It feels like it's taking longer. It feels like it's, it is. Mm -hmm. And just to be able to reset expectations Mm -hmm. in that kind of way. But as you were saying, to know that it's worth it. And, you know, there's a way to, you can grow cross-culturally that doesn't always show up numerically, but That's you right. are growing cross-culturally mm, yes. in maturity, in the way that you're learning to love, in the uh. way that you're extending hospitality to people, in the way that you're imaging our creator and all his manifold glory uh-huh. in a more unique way because you've got different faces, different people, different cultures represented in your congregation. Mm. So you're growing. Mm. It just doesn't mean more. That's good. It doesn't mean bigger. Good it doesn't mean, right? It might yes. mean deeper. It mm. might be more complex. It might bring more trouble. Yes. <laughs> it might bring more headaches, right? Right. But that's part of ministry, right? That's part of growing. Right? Yeah, so that some of that growth is blessed subtraction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, so, some, uh, I basically think it like this, like what I'm taking away from this conversation is a reminder that our ministry sensibilities are deeply cultural. And we have to be careful that we don't allow modern Western consumer market-based instincts and sensibilities to overly inform the way we think about ministry such that we need it to be big and productive and all these kinds of things at the expense of what we understand to be the biblical teaching of what the church is supposed to be like. You know, it's like the, like the the Antioch, right? Like moving yeah. from the Jerusalem church, which was beautiful and wonderful, but the model held up in the book of Acts is Antioch, right? This cross-cultural mm. church. And so like to, to, to have the confidence that like, even though you may not measure up to a certain kind of stature in the eyes of, of our cultural contemporaries who are overly uh, enculturated in their views of ministry, that what we're doing is so valuable and so worth it because this is what the Lord has called us into in the word. And so, I mean, it's it's the same. It's a, it's just another uh, function of like why we don't have like twirling lights and fog machines in our worship. You know, it's like it's another brand of that. It's because like that might be effective at drawing people temporarily, but that is not what our conscience is led to be locked onto, given what we see in the scriptures. Mm, yeah. So that commitment to being a people of the book in its most robust and fullest way is the takeaway that I'm taking and not to take it to heart too much when our size or our speed of growth does not match up with other churches that are not really leaning into this aspect of the Christian life. Yeah. And and, and real quick, I want to note, note too that the question itself around 
church size and speed of growth itself is a cultural right thing too yeah, right that, that that we would even be questioning or wondering about that or mm-hmm. measuring the value of a ministry in that way right yeah that's, yeah. that's where i'm going with my mm. takeaway dupe mm. i feel like i'm a little bit outed with a lens mm-hmm. right mm. by which i judge the success of the <laughs> church and it's basically it's very hard it's so hard to get away from the American success church model. Yeah. I mean, to think this is what it means. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I'm sure what we've talked about is the lens, you know, the Lord does not look, he does not see as man sees. That's right. Mm. Right. That's Mm. right. It's good that you named that because it can cause you to have an improper focus. And if, if you do actually get it, then you you spend all your time trying to keep it mm. and you're willing to sacrifice people and t- cut corners and all that just to have the size. And like, that's one of the things that I admire about you, Glenn, and the downtown congregation of our network so much, because we Duke and I both know that y'all absorb the costs and the hits of planting both of our congregations mm. and. That's one of the reasons why I will I will always I believe the Lord is going to honor that mm. over the long run mm. because y'all let mm. go of money and people to get us going and now we got three congregations that are doing really well they're healthy and that is like I, I hope that you don't feel any regret about those costs and sacrifices. No way made. when 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 God sent you two guys He changed my life. Mm. Mm. Ours you too. Know, he sent like I've said before. You know, he didn't, I knew enough to pray. Mm. I knew enough to go, this, this church is not reflecting the, the diversity of the city, but the mm. beauty of the kingdom. Mm. Send me people. But he didn't just send me co-laborers. He sent me guides. Mm. He sent me brothers I could walk with. Mm. And, you know, so it, to me, it's been the richest, richest part yeah. of this whole deal. Yeah, man. And I'm just, you know, I'm excited about the future and where it's going to go. Me too. Me too. But you you got any more takeaways? No, man. That was a good note to to end on, right? Yeah. Hopeful, right? And I I think it's it, it really is this reminder that you can't do it alone, mm. right? You I mean, cross cultural right. ministry is worth it. It's biblical. It's glorious. Amen. Um, but but it requires partnership and and co laborers to 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 keep on keeping on. That's that right. Journey, right. Amen. That's right. That's right. Well, look, that does it for this episode of. Till we feast. We want to thank y'all for listening into this conversation and we hope that it was beneficial to you and encouraging to you and um, maybe will lead you to some fruitful reflection. And we hope that you'll join us for the next episode. And in the meantime, we ask you to please subscribe, share this, or write a review. Until next time, the Lord bless you.